Kids, uh, welcome to Wikipedia, uh, the show where I um, chose to read and review a bunch of horror movie Wikipedia pages. Um, our producer decided that there need to be more podcasts for kids, so we're doing that. <laughs> so welcome aboard, kids. Um, I'm definitely excited to be here, and I'm glad to be recording this for all of you. I hope you're doing well. Um, stay in school and um, do your homework. I'm not very good at talking to kids. Um, anyways, I'm going to tell you guys about some good horror movies that you should check out if you're a kid. And if you're a kid and you like this, then maybe you should check them out and... Um, stay a fan of the podcast, because it's really good, and maybe they'll let me go if you do. Um, <clears throat> oh man, I'm nervous. Um, so our first movie today, uh, Paranorman, it's a 2012 American stop-motion animated dark fantasy comedy horror film. Wow, that's a, that's a lot of adjectives. Um. Adjectives are words that describe nouns. Um, it's a little bit of education for you. Stay in school. Anyways, it's all of that, and it's directed by Sam Fell and Chris Butler, and written by Butler. It's produced by Laika. The film stars the voices of Cody Smith-McPhee, Tucker Albrizi, Anna Kendrick, Casey Affleck, Christopher Mintz-Plassey, Leslie Mann, Jeff Garland, Elaine Stritch, Bernard Hill, Jadel Ferland, Tempest Bledsoe, Alex Borstein, and John Goodman. That's a lot of names to list in the opening sentence for the uh, Wikipedia article, huh? Oh, if you want to follow along, you can do that by going to en.wikipedia.org slash wiki slash paranorman. It's like paranormal, except with a kid named Norman. Uh, it's, a, it's a pun. Um... Anyways, this is the first stop-motion film to use a 3D color printer to create character faces, and only the second to be shot in 3D. That's pretty cool. Uh, in the film, Norman, a young boy who can communicate with ghosts, is given the task of ending a 300-year-old witch's curse on his Massachusetts town, despite being grounded by his father. That's pretty fun. Yeah, I've seen this movie. I, I like it a lot. Um, it's not too spooky, it's not too scary, and it's overall really cool. Uh, but I'm not here to talk about the movie, I'm here to talk about the Wikipedia page. So, first of all, you should know that there's a really good voice cast section, as you can kind of expect from the fact that there's about a thousand listed in the opening sentence. There's also a pretty good spot written out, and the production section's pretty good too. There's also a lot of accolades. Uh, this movie's gotten a lot of rewards. So, good work, team. Laika's pretty good. You should check out their work. Um, after you help me escape not being forced to do podcasts, though. Um, 
kids, I'm here of my own free will, and I'm very happy to be doing this. Don't you worry. Anyways, kids, let's let's talk about the plot of this movie. The Wikipedia summary of the plot says that in the small town of Blythe Hollow, Massachusetts, Norman Babcock is an 11-year-old boy who speaks with the dead, including his late grandmother and various ghosts in town. That's pretty cool, and it's also pretty spooky. Almost no one believes him, and he's isolated emotionally from his family while being ridiculed by his fears. That's spooky. It's not very fun to be isolated emotionally from your family. Kids, don't be isolated emotionally. Problem solved. His best friend, Neil Down, is an overweight boy who's bullied himself and finds in Norman a kindred spirit. That's cute. After rehearsing a school play commemorating the town's execution of a witch three centuries ago, the boys are confronted by Norman's estranged and seemingly deranged uncle, Mr. Pendergast, who tells his nephew that he soon must take up his regular ritual to protect the town. Soon after this encounter, Mr. Pendergast dies of a heart attack. That's spooky. Take care of your hearts, kids. Um, I don't know if you're old enough to take Bayer, but it's apparently pretty good for that. I don't know, ask your parents to ask your doctor, I guess. During the official performance of the school play, Norman has a vision of the town's past in which he's pursued through the woods by townsfolk on a witch hunt, embarrassing himself and leading to a heated argument during his, with his strange <clears throat> and leading to a heated argument with his estranged and paranoid father Perry, who later grounds him. That's no good. His mother Sandra tells him that his father's manner is stern because he's afraid for him. I get that. The next day, Norman sees Prendergrass' spirit who tells him that the ritual must be performed with a certain book before sundown that day, then making him swear to complete the task. Prendergrass' spirit is set free and crosses over. That's cool. Norman is at first reluctant to go because he's scared, but his grandmother tells him it's alright to be scared, as long as he doesn't let him change who he is. That's a good message. Norman sets off to retrieve the book from Prendergast's house, having to take it from his corpse. That's spooky. He then goes to the graves of five men and two women who were cursed by the witch, but finds that the book is merely a series of fairy tales. Huh, that's an interesting twist. Alvin, a school bully whom, whom he always pick on Norman. That's a pretty bad typo in the middle of this Wikipedia page. A school bully whom he always pick on Norman. That's no good. Gonna have to dock you a point on that one, Wikipedia. But anyways, Alvin, a school bully whom he always pick on Norman, arrives and presents Norman from reading the story before sundown. Norman attempts to continue reading the book to no effect. A ghastly storm representing, resembling the witch appears in the air, summoning the cursed dead to arise as zombies, who chase the boys along with Norman's 17-year-old sister, Courtney, and Neil's older brother, Mitch, down the hill and into town. That's pretty spooky, but that sentence didn't need to be as long and complex as it was. You could have split that up into two sentences, and it would have been fine. Having realized that the witch was not buried in the graveyard, Norman contacts, cla con <clears throat> Norman contacts classmate Salma, who tells them to access the town hall's archives for the location of the witch's unmarked grave for help. As the kids make their way to town hall, the zombies are attacked by the citizenry. During the riot, Norman and his companions break into the archives, but can't find the information they need. As the mob moves to attack the town hall, the witch storm appears over the crowd. That's spooky. Norman climbs the hall's tower to read the book, 
in a last-ditch effort to finish the ritual, but the witch strikes the book with lightning, hurling Norman from the tower and deep into the archives. Uh-oh. Unconscious, Norman has a dream where he learns that the witch was Agatha Aggie Prendergast, a little girl of his age who's also a medium. Norman realizes that Aggie was wrongly convinced, uh, convicted by the town council when they mistook her powers for witchcraft. That's no good. Kids, don't mistake things for witchcraft. Things usually have a pretty good explanation. Talking to ghosts is probably not one of them, but most other things are probably not witchcraft. It's probably science, or an old white dude in a mask. It's probably some kind of land dispute, too. I've seen enough of these things to know that that's usually how it goes down. Getting a little off track. Uh, anyways, after awakening, Norman encounters the zombies and recognizes them as the town council who convicted Aggie. The zombies and their leader, Judge Hopkins, admit that they only wanted to speak with him to ensure that he'd take up the ritual, to minimize the damage of the mistake they made so long ago. That's kind of spooky. It's all a misunderstanding. It's just bureaucracy gone mad. Anyways, Norman attempts to help the zombies slip away so they can guide him to Aggie's grave, but is cornered by the mob. Courtney, Mitch, Neil, and Alvin rally to Norman's side and confront the crowd, arguing that their rage, fear, and misunderstanding make them no different from the cursed townsfolk from long ago. Although the mobs calms down, the witch unleashes her powers to create greater havoc throughout the town. That's pretty spooky. It's kind of a mixed message, though. If you're like, hey, you guys shouldn't be freaking out because the witch is fine. And then they calm down, and the witch is like, actually, I'm not fine. It kind of dulls the message a little bit. Anyways, Judge Hopkins guides Norman's family to the grave in a forest. Before the grave is reached, Aggie's magical powers separate Norman from the others. Norman finds the grave and interacts with Aggie's vengeful spirit, determined to stop the cataclysmic tantrum she's been having over the years. Though she attempts to push him away, Norman holds his ground, telling her that he understands how she feels as an outcast, and that her vengeance has only made her like the ones who wronged her, and eventually forcing her to remember happy days. That's not very spooky. That's pretty nice. Having finally encountered someone who understands her plight, and by remembering her caring mother, Aggie is able to find a measure of peace and cross over to the afterlife, having the opportunity to be reunited with her mother. The storm dissipates, and she, the zombies, and even the judge all fall away. The town cleans up and regards Norman as a hero. That's pretty cool. In the end, Norman watches the horror film with the ghost of his grandmother and his family, who've grown to accept Norman for who he is. That's a good ending. I like this one. Anyways, this one isn't really much of a horror movie. It's got some spooky elements to it, but it's nice to have a movie where things turn out well for everyone. No one dies. No one gets mistaken for a ghost and... No one gets decapitated and shoved in the back of a car. It's kind of a win-win-win all around. Um, this is a good one, and I hope the kids enjoy it at home. I kind of like this episode. It's nice getting to do kids' movies instead of really bad horror films. They're nice. They're, they're fun and clean. I don't have to get too spooky. Anyways, um, the next one we're going to talk about is called Hotel Transylvania, which is the one that started a franchise. Um, 
I don't think I don't I don't think this is a horror movie. Egg, this is not a Okay, I'll do it. Anyways, um you can find this one at en.wikipedia.org slash wiki slash hotel underscore Transylvania. This one uh this one's a, a movie. Um the Wikipedia page is pretty cool. It's got a pretty big voice cast. Uh it's got a weirdly large thing dedicated to the soundtrack which includes uh daddy's girl written by adam sandler call me maybe performed by tracy l okay uh sexy and i know it which i'm not sure is appropriate for kids but it's where we are and the monster mash which i'm not really sure is appropriate for anyone um it also apparently got some accolades including winning a kids choice award so congratulations adam sandler on your win it's a pretty long pretty big wikipedia page all in all a pretty good one so if you're interested in wikipedia pages you should check this one out um so anyways yeah um Hotel Transylvania is a 2012 American computer animated comedy film produced by Columbia Pictures and Sony Pictures Animation. It's directed by Gendy Tartarovsky. What? Gendy Tartarovsky directed Hotel Transylvania? But Gendy Tartarovsky's so good. He did Samurai Jack and Star Wars and Symbionic Titan. Why did you do Hotel Transylvania? And anyways, um, it was directed from a screenplay by Peter Bainham and Robert Smiggle, and a story by Todd Durham, Dan Hagman, and Kevin Hagman. And it stars the voices of Adam Sandler, Andy Samberg, Selena Gomez, Kevin James, Fran Drescher, Steve Buscemi, Molly Shannon, David Spade, and CeeLo Green. Y'all gotta cut it out with putting nine or ten people in the opening line to your movie, because there's no way that this movie stars ten different people. They can be in it, but they can't all be stars. That's that's not how it works. This Wikipedia page is spooky. Anyways, um, we should talk about the plot. Um... So, in 1895, in the aftermath of the death of his wife Martha, at the hands of an angry human mob, Count Dracula commissions and builds a massive five-star monsters-only hotel in Transylvania, in which he raises his daughter Mavis to serve as a safe place getaway for the world's monsters from fear of human persecution. Okay, that's kind of cool. I'd want to go to a place where I could be free from persecution, but... I don't have that here. Um, that, that's a that's a joke, kids. I'm very happy and excited to be doing this 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 show. Anyways, um, famous monsters such as Frank and his wife Eunice. I don't know who that is. Uh, Wayne and Wanda Werewolf, and their massive immediate family. Griffin the Invisible Man and Murray the Mummy often come to stay at the hotel. I don't think any of those guys are very famous, but I'll I'll give it a pass. 
Anyways, in the present day, on Mavis's 818th birthday, Dracula allows his daughter to leave the castle to explore the human world. But he sets up an elaborate plan using his zombie bellhops disguised as humans to make them seem intimidating and frighten her home. The plan works, but the zombies inadvertently lead 21-year-old human Jonathan Lang Lauren back to the hotel. That's spooky. There's a human in a monster place. Dracula frantically disguises him as a, a Frankenstein-esque monster and passes him off as Frank's cousin Johnny Stein. Johnny soon encounters Mavis and the two zing. What? The two zing. What is a zing? Kids, you know what a zing is? Am I hip? Am I unhip? Sorry, I'm unhip, kids. Um, the unrelenting passage of time is the spookiest thing of all. Eventually you don't understand what the world around you means. You just go on with it and hope you're doing okay. That's pretty spooky. Um, but anyways, uh, unable to get Johnny out of the hotel without notice, Dracula quickly improvises that Johnny's a party planner, brought in to bring a fresh approach to his own traditional and boring parties. Johnny quickly becomes a hit to the other monsters, but this disgusts and worries Dracula greatly. Dracula orders Johnny to leave, but he's brought back by Mavis. After being shown the beauty of a sunrise by Johnny, Mavis is inspired to give humans another chance. That's pretty cool. That's very cute. Excuse me. I'm so sorry, kids. Um, I'm going to pretend that that was because I know that kids find burps funny. Okay. I'm okay now. Anyways, meanwhile, the hotel chef Quasimodo, with the help of his pet rat Esmeralda, learns that Johnny's a human and kidnaps him to cook him. That's spooky. Dracula intervenes and magically freezes Quasimodo to keep him from telling anyone that Johnny's human. Dracula leads Johnny to his quarters and shows him a painting of Martha, allowing Johnny to realize why Dracula built the hotel and became overprotective of Mavis. That's kind of heartwarming. But it's kind of interesting that both Mavis and Batman and Superman have a mom with the same name. That'll probably matter in the third act. Johnny then agrees to leave for good, but Dracula convinces him to stay for the time being to avoid ruining Mavis's birthday. The party's a great success the next night, and Mavis looks forward to opening a gift from Martha. However, when Johnny and Mavis share their first kiss... Dracula overreacts, and in his outburst, he inadvertently confesses to deceiving Mavis with the town. A still-frozen Quasimodo bursts in, and Mr. Fly reveals that from his frozen speech that Johnny is a human disguised by Dracula. Lying to your kids is pretty spooky. Tell your parents. The guests are outraged by the deceit at play, but Mavis is undeterred and wants to be with Johnny. Johnny feigns disinterest in Mavis and rejects her out of respect for her father and leaves the hotel. Mavis flies onto the roof with her mother's present, and Dracula follows her in hopes of comforting her. He learns the present is a book about how Martha and Dracula zinged and fell in love. Oh, is that... is that what zinging is? Is that a thing in the movie, or is this a real-life thing? Is this just a vampire thing? Is this like in Twilight when the wolf zings with the baby? 
anyways, Dracula realizes he no longer knows humankind's true tolerance of monsters and manages to convince Frank, Wayne, Griffin, and Murray to head out into the human world to help him find Johnny. With the scent-tracking ability of Wayne's daughter, Winnie, they learn that he's about to catch a flight to the United States. The four head to the airport, but are held up in a town celebrating a monster festival along the way. Admiring the group, the humans agree to help, and a team of men dressed as vampires provides Dracula shelter from the sunlight while he rushes to the airport. Dracula arrives to see Johnny's plane taking off, and he gives chase in bat form, burning in the sunlight. That's pretty spooky. After getting Johnny's attention, Dracula makes his way to the front of the plane and uses his mind-controlling power on the pilot to help him apologize, stating that Mavis has grown up and can make her own decisions. Jonathan accepts this apology, and Dracula manipulates the pilot to return to the Transylvanian airport. Dracula returns Jonathan to Mavis, announcing that he approves of Johnny. Johnny confesses to Mavis that her zing was mutual, and the two kiss. That's good. Always make sure that zings are mutual. That's a good lesson to keep going into life, kids. The monsters finish celebrating Mavis's party, impressing the hotel guests. Anyways, that's the plot of Hotel Transylvania. It's not really a horror movie. It's more of a comedy, I think. But it... I don't know. It didn't seem very funny. I'll take Wikipedia's word for it that it's pretty funny. It did get nominated for a lot of rewards. And Gandhi Tartarovsky directed it, so it's probably not bad, right? Anyways, um, the third horror movie for kids that we're going to talk about today... Egg, this can't be right. Egg, tell the producer that this one is... This isn't... Egg Saw isn't a horror movie for kids. I don't care if people's parents let them see it. This isn't for kids. Okay, um, the next movie is Saw. If you want to follow along, you can... Don't don't follow along with the Wikipedia page. Um, Saw is a 2004 American horror film directed by James Wan in his directorial debut and stars Carrie Elwes, Danny Glover, Monica Potter, Michael Emerson, Ken Lung, Tobin Bell, and Lee Wannell. It's the first installment in the fran in the in the Saw franchise, which you should not see. Uh, in it, Elwes and Wannell portray two men who awake to find themselves chained in a large, dilapidated bathroom, with one being ordered to hit the other, or his family will get hit. The screenplay was written by Wannell, who co-created the story with one in their screenwriting debuts, respectively. Are we sure that we're going to cover this one, guys? I don't think that this is... Okay, the cast section for the Wikipedia page is pretty good. There's a good check on development and writing and funding and casting. Um, all in all, it's a pretty good, pretty big Wikipedia page, and it won a lot of awards, but I'm not sure... You should check this one out. Um, okay. So, the summary to the movie is that a photographer Adam awakens in a bathtub with his ankle chained to a pipe 
and oncologist Lawrence Garden chained across in the dilapidated bathroom with a friendly body between them holding a revolve squirt gun and a microcassette recorder. Um, microcassettes are what used to be CDs. Um, CDs are what used to be MP3 players. Um, you guys know what? Are you guys using something better than MP3s? Hit me up if you're... I want to be hip. Hit me up if that's not the thing still. Anyways, um, both men find a tape in their pockets, and Adam retrieves the recorder. Adam's tape urges him to escape, while Lawrence's tape tells him to hit Adam by 6 o'clock, or his wife and daughter will get hit, and he'll be left to not be around anymore. Adam finds a bag containing two hacksaws inside the toilet, which they try to use to cut through their chains, but Adam's saw breaks. Lawrence realizes that the saws are meant to be used on their, uh, feet, and identifies the captor as the jigsaw hitter, who Lawrence knows of because he was once a suspect. Flashbacks reveal that Lawrence, while discussing the, uh, discussing the terminal brain sickness of a patient named John Kramer, was approached by detectives David Tapp and Stephen Singh, who found his pen light at the scene of one of Jigsaw's games. Jigsaw's alibi, Lawrence's alibi cleared him, but he agreed to view the testimony of sugar addict Amanda Young, the only known survivor of one of Jigsaw's traps who believes that the hitter helped her. In the present, Lawrence's wife Allison and daughter Diana are held captive at home, as their captor watches Adam and Lawrence through a hidden camera. The house is simultaneously watched by Tap, having been discharged from the police and becoming obsessed with the Jigsaw case, eventually finding Jigsaw's warehouse using the videotape from Amanda's game. This is all pretty spooky, kids. Um, we'll get through it together, I guess. Um, there, he and Singh apprehended Jigsaw and saved a man from a... A bad thing, but Jigsaw escaped after um, hitting Tap real hard, and Singh was put to sleep by a sleep gun trap. Convinced that Lawrence is Jigsaw, Tap has continued to stalk him. Guys, this is, I don't think this is a good. Okay. In the bathroom, Lawrence finds a box containing two lollipops, a lighter, and a one-way cell phone, and he recalls his abduction in a parking garage by a pig-masked figure. He and Adam stage Adam's sleep with a lollipop dipped in the friend's sadness juice, but the plan fails when Adam is electrically shocked through his ankle chain. Adam recalls his own abduction. In his photo development room when the power went out, he found a puppet and was attacked by the same pig-masked figure. Allison calls Lawrence at gunpoint 
and tells him not to trust Adam, who admits that he was paid to take photos of Lawrence, many of which were in the bag containing the hacksaws. Adam reveals his knowledge of Lawrence's affair with one of his medical students. How does Adam know that? Um, anyways, who he had visited on the night he was abducted, revealing why Lawrence is being tested. After Adam describes the man who hired him, Lawrence, re uh, Lawrence realizes it was Tap. Adam finds a photo he did not take of a man staring out a window of Lawrence's house, who Lawrence identifies as Zepp, an orderly at the hospital. As the clock strikes six, Zepp moves to hit Allison and Diana. Allison frees Zepp, uh, Allison frees herself and fights Zepp for his gun after he calls Lawrence. The struggle attracts Tap's attention, and he saves Allison and Diana and chases Zepp to the sewers, where he is hit in the chest after a brief struggle. Lawrence, only aware of the squirt guns and screaming, is shocked and loses his reach of the cell phone. In desperation, he... Ooh. Um... He kicks off a boot and shoots Adam with the friend's squirt gun. Zepp enters the bathroom to kill Lawrence according to... I'm sorry, Zepp enters the bathroom to s hit Lawrence according to the rules, but Adam, having survived, hits Zepp to sleepiness with the toilet lid. Okay, that's pretty spooky. Um, as Lawrence crawls out of the room, Adam searches Zepp's sleeping body for a key and finds another tape which reveals that Zepp was another victim following rules to obtain an antidote for a sadness juice that he was given um as the tape ends the friend gets up and is revealed to be John Kramer the real jigsaw hitter he reveals that the key to Adam's chain went down the bathtub drain when Adam first woke up Horrified, Adam attempts to shoot John with the squirt gun, but John shocks him with a remote. John shuts off the lights and yells, Game over, before sealing the door and leaving a helplessly screaming Adam to sleep. That's the plot of Saw, kids. Guys, I don't think that making an episode for kids is going to work. I... I just don't think that they're our target audience. I don't know what our target audience is. I think it's just like people trying to sleep that want to hear about horror movies for some reason. I don't know. Maybe it's my fiance's weird cousin who's weirdly into supervillains. By supervillains, I mean serial killers. It's been so long since I was put in here. Um, but I, I, I. I mean that I want it to be put in here, guys. Um, thanks for joining us, kids. I know that's been a fun time with Uncle Andrew here in the fun zone. Bye.
this Thursday, Thursday, Thursday. Come on down to the elementary school gymatorium where you can see all your favorite superstars, including Weird Al, Mr. Clean, The Beast, X-23, Shaggy, Judy Hops, the Teenage Mutant Eldritch Turtles, Love Type Connection, and more. Tune in every week to YouTube.com slash Alien Happy Hour to catch Alien Happy Hour Wrestling Federation. That's what the more is.